You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. But we're not just daily. No, no, no. We have many, many shows throughout the week. Eight total on average. Maybe more than eight on average, I guess. But eight minimum per week through the rest of the regular season. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. If you like the podcast, if you love the podcast, leave a review. Download. If, if you're if you're a subscriber, even if you're like if you listen to the show regularly, but you don't get to every episode, download and delete every episode because that still counts. Maybe hit play on them. I don't know. Um, the metrics, all the metrics help us. So do that. Uh, scroll through your thing. Hit the five star thing. You don't have to write anything if you don't want. Just five star review. We appreciate all those. We got a, we got a new goal we're setting up. Maybe we'll get some prizes out. Who knows? And uh, if you want to write something down, that'd be awesome too. In the meantime. Get you ready for a little Monday Night Football, and then we'll talk to Jason Lock and Fora. But first, Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? Uh, hey, man. <laughs> My hey, podcast man. app um, automatically downloads episodes. Do people not automatically download podcast episodes? I feel like no, you don't have to too, manually do it. Like, I don't um, – I'm out of shape right now. I just haven't been working out. I'm not, like – I'm not using earphones very often. I'm not like I'm, I listen. I'm listening. I'm not. I'm not in full. Like if I'm working out a bunch, I'm caught up on all my podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so like I'll have shows I listen to regularly, but I'll be, um, I'll be, it'll, it'll be like not interested anymore. Like start downloading again or, or something like that. Or you know if if there's like five shows and I don't listen to them, like the three behind it won't be downloaded. So I'm just saying, yeah. You know. Really, I didn't know. Also, it works like that. Yeah, you, yeah, and also podcasts take up a ton of space. So some people might not automatically download. I don't know. Yeah, losers. You know, download who else podcasts. Ton- yeah, yeah, download the podcast, losers. You know who else takes up a ton of space? Eli Manning. A ton of cap space. But he's gonna oh. put the- hey, he's gonna put that cap space to good use on Monday night when he fills in one penultimate time for Daniel Jones. Maybe it might be the ultimate time. Maybe this is Eli's last game. Is it? Is this a curtain call for Eli Manning? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, as in, like, could he play more? I mean, he could play more games. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, it, sure. I mean, there's really no reason for the Giants to rush Daniel Jones back if he's hurt. Like, he's going to be their quarterback next year, more likely than not, because Dave Gettleman's not going to admit he was wrong after one year. He won't admit he was wrong about taking a running back at number two after two years, so... I highly doubt he's going to admit he was wrong about a quarterback who, like, he made fun of everybody for not liking him after he had one good game against the Bucks. Um, I haven't heard from Dave Gettleman since then, so I would imagine he's not <laughs> going to admit uh, defeat on Daniel Jones, and and he's not necessarily 100% wrong, but certainly the returns haven't been good in recent weeks. So I would say, it like, why not just start Eli for the last four games? If Eli wins this game, he'd go to 117 and 116. Like, there's a perfect, as I've said on this podcast before, a perfect Thanosian balance to Eli being a 500 quarterback as, as rational minds scream, he's not that good. His name overrates him. And Giants fans scream, screw you. We love Eli. He's the goat. You're Rivers guy. You're in big moments. He's great. He's amazing. Um, 
it, it allows for a very heated debate on both sides of the ball, literally. Uh, if he loses, do they have to run him out one more time to so get back to 500? No. I mean, it's not like everybody doesn't know that he's been, you know, somewhere between slightly above average and slightly below average for the vast majority of his career. Um, that, that seems like a pretty widely accepted, um, fact, I guess you would say. I mean, it is a fact. So, I mean, the, the entire argument for Eli as a player has been, you know, he made two of the greatest Super Bowl runs of all time. And that's true whether he, is 117 and 116 or 116 and 117 or 116 and 120. Um, those Super Bowl runs happened. They're going to put him in the Hall of Fame more likely than not. People are going to yell about it. Certainly it's going to be mostly undeserved, but that's the way that things work. Well, I can only think of one other off the top of my head, and maybe there's a couple, but one other quarterback with a losing record in the Hall of Fame, and that is uh, is this Joe, Joe Namath. Yeah, Joe Willie yeah. Namath, 62, 63, and 4. Um, yeah. at least Joe Willie, I mean, le- at least he led the league in passing yards more than like, like three times. Sure. He led the league in interceptions three times, but passing touchdowns once yards per attempt twice attempts. twice. I mean, like, you know, Eli just has interceptions twice, I think. Yeah. But you know, he won those two Super Bowls, and, uh, that's what people are going to remember. Yeah. Uh, he did actually lead in 2011. He led the league in, um, Fourth quarter drives, fourth quarter comebacks, and game winning drives. So I'll give him that. Um, he, he he was good at that for a, for a stretch. It, look, it, you know this doesn't need to be a debate about Eli Manning. Can Eli Manning ruin the uh, the giant the the excuse me? Can he ruin the Eagles' chances of uh, winning this game and making the playoffs? The Eagles have won five straight against the Giants. They play again in Week 17. Um, last we saw the Giants, they they got blasted by the Packers. And the Eagles somehow managed to lose to the Dolphins. That feels like it was seven years ago, Debo, and yet it was one week ago. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I calling kinda, you Debo. I was just pointing out that Debo is at that game. I no, think. no, I know, and he's obviously on on the line here. Uh, I I think you know similar to what I said about the Cowboys on Thursday. I trust the Eagles to beat themselves more than I trust the Giants to beat the Eagles. Mm. Um, the Cowboys. Let the Bears beat them, I would say, uh, on Thursday and did a, a fair amount of beating themselves, too. I don't think the Giants are nearly as good as the Bears, so I, I think that the Eagles' chances of losing this game are lower. But if they do lose it, I think it, it's going to be a situation where the Eagles screw things up somehow, more likely than Eli comes out and torches them. I mean, one one thing that's going to be interesting to watch is just – We've never seen Eli play after an extended absence at any point in his career. I mean, he sat out one game in 16 years before he was benched for Daniel Jones, and he was put right back in the starting lineup the next week. Um, it, seem, it seems pretty likely that he'll be, you know, pretty much the same player. I mean, it's highly doubtful that he changed much while sitting out for – 10, 12 weeks or so. I mean, he's been the same guy for like 16 years. Why would he have changed much at all? But playing after such a, an extended absence is obviously much different than playing every week. So it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like on, in that sense. That's a great point. We've never seen Eli come out, come off cold. Is, um, the Giants offense is, is it good? No. 
think it is. No. You know, they put up some numbers, but like Evan Ingram's gonna be missing. Uh, certainly Shepard should be out there. Golden Tate. I think we'll have Darius Slayton. And of mm-hmm. course, you'll have Saquon Barkley. What do you think's contributed to Saquon Barkley? Is it just injuries? Is it scheme? Is it usage? Why has Saquon Barkley been so bad this season? Uh, or so he, not Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I mean, he came back from a high ankle sprain if after missing what two games, two, three games. Yeah. That's not what you're supposed to do. Like, straight up, you don't do that. Oh, that's that's it. That's the answer. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it in two-plus games before the injury, he was averaging 6.5 yards per touch, and in six games since, he's at 4.1 yards per touch. Like, mm. Do you get hurt against Tampa Bay? Is that right? Uh, whatever it was, week three? Yeah, because yeah. that was the, the, the Daniel Jones game. Right. Yeah, he has not been... I mean, you look at it, too, like, he's had more more than four yards per carry in one of those six games, high of 83 yards rushing in those games. His longest run is 22 yards. Only two of his carries out of 100 have gone for 20 or more yards. And remember, this is the guy that led the league in 20-plus yard runs last year, 16 runs on 261 carries. Like, it's just, it's very clear he has not been the same guy since the injury. He has 544 rushing yards on the season. Of that, 227 came in the first two weeks before he got hurt. And they had eight carries for 10 yards against Tampa. Banged up his ankle, and he hadn't been the same since. And, you know, his targets are way down, too. I I wonder, is it like Daniel Jones didn't throw into the the running back? Like, I wonder, do you think there's a chance we see a a quote-unquote vintage Saquon game tonight because Eli's under center? That's the other thing about it, too. Like, he was getting you know, he Eli loves a dump down to a running back. He does. I think that one of the differences is he's just been held in to block more often. Um we've talked about before the uh establish the run guys, they've been making this point throughout the season where teams have essentially noticed that he's not been as good in pass protection this season yeah. and they have sent more blitzes when he's on the field than they did last year, which has caused, you know, caused Daniel Jones to, to check and hold him in for protection as opposed to, you know, being out there and running a route all the time. If you look at it this year, I'm going to try to pull up. He's pass blocked on 58 snaps. What? This season. Last year, he pass blocked on 72 all year. And obviously, he's played fewer games. I mean, he's going to definitely exceed that this season as as long as they keep blitzing you know about as often i mean you look at it since coming back um eight pass blocking snaps seven to eleven nine eight like that is much higher than at any time last season i mean his season high in pass blocking snaps was seven last year and he's already done that uh he's exceeded that five times in the last six weeks this is like so, buying a Porsche and using it as a tractor. Well, it's not necessarily by design. It's teams are blitzing them more, and if you have a blitz, you got to keep an extra guy in to block. Otherwise, your quarterback's gonna get killed. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just saying, but like that's this is like another argument why you don't take a running back at two. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean there are plenty of reasons why you don't take a running back at two. I think uh, needing to keep him in to pass protect is pretty far down the list (laughs) um but he's also like he was a terrific pass blocker 
in college and last season. He just hasn't been as good at it this year. And, and I mean, that high ankle sprain. Yeah, I was going to say it's entirely possible it all comes back to the ankle. Yeah. Uh, like, what it's, about the, it's, it's, by the way, it's just crazy that they brought him back so quickly. Like, I don't understand how you do that. Like, it was pretty clear at that point your season was going nowhere. They were like two and four. You're playing a rookie quarterback. At at that point, the other teams in the division looked significantly better than them. Like, this guy is supposed to be such an important cornerstone for the franchise. Like, clearly you're going to overpay him in two years, just like uh, your division rival did with their top five draft pick running back. Like, why are you putting him out there to play hurt and not look as good? Like, just sit him down for six weeks. The two-game winning streak against the Redskins and Vikings feels like a while ago. What uh, what is the uh streak? What is the what do you think about the the Eagles' defense here against the Giants? Because the there was a period of time when people were telling telling folks you're like, hey, look, the secondary's starting to come on. The Eagles' secondary's starting to come on. It might be a little bit better. They're getting healthy, and then they gave up 37 points to the Miami Dolphins. Um, it does not look like it's coming on. They they also haven't scored. They scored 31 against Miami, but 19 total points the two weeks before that um, to kickstart this three-game losing streak out of the bye. I mean, the, the Eagles have had every opportunity, with a healthy Carson Wentz, mind you, to go steal the division. And, I mean, the Cowboys are begging them to come take it, and they just won't do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could start uh, with the defense. I don't think it's been, obviously, very good this year. Their, you know, their, their pass defense DVOA is 15th in the league, which makes it seem like it's average, but, you know, you look a little bit deeper and they're not like good at anything, you know? They're, they're outside the top 10 against throws to the left, throws to the middle, throws to the right, <laughs> against deep throws, against short throws, against number one receivers, number two receivers, slot receivers, tight ends. Uh, basically the only thing they've done well in pass defense is, uh, play on second downs. They're, they're third in DVOA on second down against passes, but they're 20th on first down and 28th on third and fourth down. And, you know, that's that's not tenable, and that's why teams have thrown on them pretty much all year. Um, you know, Avante Maddox has not played well in the slot. Jalen Mills has not played well on the outside. Ronald Darby has been up and down and mostly just okay during that those up periods. Um, you know, to, to me, the big issue, though, is they built this defense around – arguably the deepest and most versatile defensive line in the league coming into the season. And that defensive line has just been sort of ravaged by injuries throughout the year. Um, They're having to play guys more snaps than they're used to. They're having to play guys they didn't necessarily want to play. And, you know, they're only 10th in pressure rate and 14th in sacks as a result. And that's just not where they thought they were going to be. This was supposed to be like a top five pressure unit in the league. And that was going to make up for the fact that their defensive backs are not quite as good as you would like them to be. And that just hasn't happened. Mm. Yeah, it was when they had, you know, when they were rotating Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett and Vinnie Curry and Chris Long and Michael Bennett and, you know, everybody through. And obviously, you know, they had a healthy Tim Chernigan and, and, and Fletcher Cox. And, you know, when everybody was cooking, this defensive line was great. And now not so much. Uh, Jim Schwartz does love to blitz. Wouldn't be surprised if we see plenty of that uh, coming to Saquon Barkley and Eli Manning. Um, so on the Eagles' offensive side of the ball, Carson Wentz, is he good? Yes. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen at this point certainly a larger sample of him being good than bad. Um, 
he's obviously not been nearly as good this year as he was in his you know 2017 near MVP season and then even last year I mean you look at it just compared to last year I mean his completion percentage was 69.6 last year 62.4 this season yards per attempt down from 7.7 to 6.5 pro football reference now has you know advanced passing stats his his bad throw rate has spiked from 14.4% to 19% this season Mm-hmm. His, his interception rate is basically where it was a year ago, but his touchdown rate has dropped off. It doesn't help, obviously, that his receivers are dropping passes left and right. Um, 4.9% drop rate this season. The only quarterback with a higher drop rate is Dak uh, at 5.5%. Um, you know, they, they haven't had Deshaun Jackson, played 65 snaps the whole season. He was supposed to be their deep threat. I mean, you look at it this year, Wentz has a 65.9 passer rating on deep throws. That's 23rd out of 27 qualifying quarterbacks. That's just not what this was supposed to be, you know? No. Do you, if Deshaun Jackson plays, do you think, anyway, um, we don't need to get into that, but what, how can the Eagles help him the most? Like, what is, how can they help him the most? And, and does it even matter tonight? Like, can they just sort of go in and win this game by playing some half decent football? Yeah, I was going to say that I don't know that the Eagles necessarily need to help him against the Giants other than just catching the passes that are thrown to them when they're wide open. You know, I mentioned how bad Philly's pass defense has been, you know, just in terms of not being very good or anything. The Giants defense against the pass has been legit bad at everything. You know, they're 30th in overall pass defense DVOA, 28th against throws to the left, 23rd against throws over the middle, 25th against throws to the right. 28th against short throws or 25th against short rows, 28th against deep throws. I mean, you could throw at DeAndre Baker on basically every play. 135.3 passer rating allowed on throws in his direction this season at Pro Football Focus. That's 171st out of 175 cornerbacks and safeties who have played 200 snaps in coverage this year. He's a first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think he's uh, a pretty good player, player having a tough time. Yeah, it's a tough And spot. early in the season, like, he got roasted by Amari Cooper in the first week of the season when Janoris Jenkins was out. Like, why are you covering Amari Cooper with this guy and letting him get torched all game? Um, yeah, uh, Jenkins has been shadowing more often in recent weeks. Like, maybe he shadows Alshon Jeffrey, and that means that, Baker only has to deal with either Nelson Aguilar or J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, um, you know, but it, it, it's not like him and Grant Haley, uh, who's also been terrible this season, have been able to shut down anybody this year, so it's not like I'd expect them to shut those guys down either. Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, let's talk about some props. We'll get to the pick. What uh, Eli Manning, this is, this is very bizarre because Eli Manning's over-under – for passing yards is actually higher than Carson Wentz's over under. Eli is two forty nine and a half. Carson Wentz is two thirty eight and a half. Either of those intrigue you in terms of over or under? Um, I feel like I'd probably go over on both of them. Neither one of these pass defenses is very good. And even if Manning doesn't throw the ball down the field, 
there's the possibility of I mean he's got good after catch guys like Golden Tate's a good after catch guy Sterling Shepard's a good after catch guy Saquon when he's not hurt is a good after catch guy and there's always a chance that he breaks something uh, and Darius Slayton has been good uh, on downfield throws not that Eli throws downfield all that often but I feel like both of these passing game units have a, a pretty decent advantage against the opposing secondaries and neither team is all that good at getting pressure. Uh, granted, the, the Giants' offensive line has allowed pressure at the second highest rate in the league this year, so maybe Eli is going to be under pressure all night and dumping it off, but I feel like even dumping it off against this Philly team, if you do it enough times, you could uh, get yourself a, a decent amount of yardage. Yeah, and I feel like both teams are decent against the run. Like, for whatever reason, they just kind of sell out and stop the run, and you can just throw on them. So you have to be willing to throw. Uh, Miles well, Sanders, I mean, the Giants do it because Dave Gettleman thinks that how you that's how you win. I mean, he's right. wrong, but that's I mean, they're 11th in run defense DVOA this year, and they traded a draft pick for Leonard Williams in the middle of the season when they were already pretty good at stopping the run, and like they have to pay Leonard Williams after this year, and they just drafted a defensive tackle in the first round. Like, I don't know what these guys are doing. It's it's unbelievable. Like, <laughs> at least Pittsburgh's worked out. Like, I'll give the Steelers credit. I didn't think it was a very smart move, but they did it. They also traded for a safety, which is like a pass defense move. The Giants traded for a defensive tackle when they already drafted a defensive tackle in the first round this year, the second round a couple of years ago, and their run defense was already pretty good. Like, I don't know. Like, but no, oh one, David, no one else can stop the run if Dave Gettleman has all, all the defensive tackles. That's true. That's true. That. Um, okay. Say, uh, Miles Sanders over under 66 and a half rushing yards. I feel like the Eagles are going to win, so I'll go over because you can run when you're winning. That, that is true. You, you can run when you're losing. Just ask Dave Gettleman. Gotta establish it. <laughs> Hashtag establish it. Um, let's see. What else is there? Uh, Saquon Barkley. His rushing yards is 64 and a half. Under. Okay. Over on receiving, whatever it is. Is that, do you think that's the play? Would you take, would you rather take receiving or total? 98 and a half total yards is the number for him. So I mean, I would rather take the, the receiving than the total because I think that the rushing could be like 35 or something. Okay. But if he gets, you know, that means his receiving number, if it's, if it's 61 and a half for his rushing yards, it's just, that would mean his receiving is like 37 and a half or 37. Yeah, I mean, Eli throws him eight checkdowns and he's got it. Yeah. Easy. What's he averaging? What's he, what's he averaging per, what's he averaging per, uh, per catch here? Let's see. Saquon, Saquon Barkley averaging do to do 7.7 yards per catch. He's just getting way less catches than he was last year. Yeah. I mean, he gets five catches though and he's got that pretty easily. Yeah. All right, that's a good, that's something to look at then. All right, I like that idea. Um, what, uh, what about Golden Tate over under 52 and a half receiving yards? I mean, this depends, I think, on whether you think they're going to use Tate in the slot or Shepard in the slot. Like, whoever is, is in the slot has the matchup with Avante Maddox probably, and that's just a significantly better matchup than either of the outside guys. Yeah. All, even though obviously the the outside guys have not been all that good this season either, I just think it, it's much easier to throw against Maddox than it is against uh, 
Mills or Darby. So it's it's tough to say how they're going to align like that. They have barely played together this season, Shepard and Tate. Um, I would expect, I think, that Shepard would be on the inside. Yes. But who knows? Yeah, you just got to get that one right. If you figure out who's on the inside, whoever's lining up on the slot most of the time is going to be a high-value guy. I feel like Sterling Shepard maybe has – I mean, the one thing about Sterling Shepard, remember, like, Golden Tate hasn't ever played with Eli Manning because he was suspended. Right, he was suspended for those first couple games, yeah. Yeah, and you look at Sterling Shepard, I mean, he had 13 catches on 16 targets the first two weeks of the season for 142 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's sort of – it's not crazy numbers, but I mean, like, you know, the rest of his, his other four games went healthy. Obviously, all with Daniel Jones have been 20 catches for 180 yards. I would expect with no Evan Ingram, Sterling, like, Eli should lean on Sterling Shepard here, I think. Yeah. I mean, I would think he leans on Tate too. I mean, they're both short yardage guys. It seems yeah. like Slayton's going to be the one who doesn't see much action. He's an outside guy and a deep downfield guy for the most and, part and a rookie. And a rookie. I mean, he's a rookie who hadn't, like, he hadn't played with Eli. I mean, I just, Eli didn't know him. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote about him for, uh, when, in my, uh, weekly recap that goes up on Tuesday. I wrote about him a few weeks ago and how good he's been for a late round receiver. Um, you know, it's, it's on a list with guys. Obviously, they were significantly more productive, but like the only other guys that had matched or exceeded his, totals as a late round rookie it was like marcus colson and like three other guys and that was it um so he's been he's been good i think he's a nice find for them he's a good player okay uh we mentioned oh you know let's just get a pick uh who you got what do you think uh i got 30 20 eagles well, that is right on it over under 45 so you think it's gonna go over i love the over as you would say <laughs> um it, it looks like five miles an hour win to nothing much Gonna rain throughout the day in Philly, but then gonna chill out by evening time. So, so should be some rain up there in Philly, but not nothing bad. And then you were right on the uh, the spread because the Eagles are minus ten or minus nine and a half, depending on what you're looking at. Um, you would take probably, I, I guess, take the Eagles to cover. Or would you assume that Eli Manning could bring it through the back door? Uh, do one of those teasers, guys. Tease it down to three or whatever. Tease it down to three, and then tease the uh, the the over down. To thirty or thirty-eight, thirty-eight and a half. Yeah, there you go. Do that. Yeah. He's down to three and thirty-eight and a half. Also, we, neither of these teams is trustworthy. Don't bet on this game. Yeah, or just don't, or just bet on the prop. <laughs> or, just take the, or just take the over of Sterling Shepard catches and, and receiving yards. Yeah, and Miles Sanders take over Marcus. on Eli Manning passes that travel less than five yards past the line of scrimmage. Take the over on number of jokes made on Twitter about Eli Manning making a silly face when he throws an interception. Take the over on references to the NFC East being an abomination. Ooh, that's a good call, too. Bug! <clears throat> uh, um, also, I, I, I do want to note one thing just regarding the Eagles' offense. Their 12 personnel usage, they've obviously significantly raised that this year, and especially without Deshaun Jackson. They're at 43% in 12 personnel. That's by far the most in the league if you look at sharp football stats and the giants have faced only 48 passes out of 12 personnel all season so it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that that could be something where the eagles offense shows them a look they haven't seen all that much this Wait, year. The, the giants have faced how many passes out of 12 personnel 48 and the eagles run more 12 personnel than anybody else again yes 
Okay. Dallas Goddard could have a nice game. He could. So could Zach Ertz. I mean, those are the, you know, two of the three best receiving options for them. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar, I mean, he's dropping passes like we're dropping references to the NFC East stinking, you know? <laughs> Zach Ertz, 42 targets, 33 catches, two touchdowns, 312 yards his last four games uh, after a very slow start to the season. Making people very happy. Uh, all right, dudes. Talk to you. Uh, good stuff as always. Talk to you on uh, Thursday, man. Yeah, we get to talk about uh, another terrible New York team Ooh. on Thursday, I believe. That's right. Jets and uh, Jets and Ravens. We get to talk about Lamar Jackson, though, so that's fun. Yeah, let's just talk about Lamar the whole time. Uh, we will almost 100% do that. And we'll complain about Adam Gase, too. We'll definitely do both of those things. Uh, stick, where you're at, stick where you are after the break. Talk to Jason Lockenfor about the latest news and notes around the NFL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Welcome back. As promised, time to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, CBS Sports NFL insider, Jason Lockenfora. JLC, what's up, buddy? How you doing, bud? Uh, good. Um, sort of, you know, I mean, post-holiday, a little drudge. Drudge, I guess is the right word. I don't know. You know, you sort of, you got to push through to the end of the season. The like, Absolutely. Finish strong. Yeah. Malaise. Post-holiday. Mid-holiday malaise. Like, I like hear you. In between talking to you and Dubin, I went downstairs to make a cup of coffee. My wife's down there doing Christmas cards, and she's like, we, we have to get Christmas presents. Like, oh, okay. dude, I've been – that's – yeah, pretty much my trains up and back to New York the last couple of weeks have been me doing a lot of online shopping for the kids, yeah? Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like, I've already got my son's Christmas presents. I've already, we've already taken care of – she's like, we got to get my mom and your mom and, and your brother. I'm like, all right. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's December 9th. It's not December 24th. It does – it does tend to – all the, well, I mean, the week of Christmas, though, is always nuts. You know what I mean? So that week yeah. is pretty much a wash, right? Christmas Eve's Wednesday. Yeah. You're not going to get much done that Monday or Tuesday. So really, that gives you this week and next week. Well, when you put it like that, that's kind yeah. of terrible. Well, I'm yeah. just saying. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. And um, the worst part is, like, when you you know when you do, like, an NFL-related job is you're, you know, like, you know, obviously Sunday you're not shopping. You're not going shopping on Sunday. You're not going shopping on Monday. No. Um you know, no. It's hard. Tuesday, you're sort of hungover, and, and and you know, like just from the week, not actually hungover. Right. Yeah. You know, and sure. It's, it's, so it's like it's like last minute shopping is hard to pull off on Christmas Eve's on a Wednesday, and you and you cover the NFL. So, right. That's what I'm right. saying. Mm, you're right. Maybe I should get on this. Maybe she. Um, now you've made me. Nervous. She might have a point. She might have. A she point. might have a point. I'm gonna tell her. She might like, be onto something. I don't know. My wife. My wife gets high levels of anxiety about. I, I'm, the holidays. I'm, 
no, everything. I'm just I'm trying to pump her with a steady diet of seafood. Well, you guys have you got your whole you doing the whole uh, magical mystery tour. Uh, we're don't just you go like don't you do a little bit of like a yeah Christmas um, three spots. You're all over the place, right? You, you go to like your mom's for a while, and then your wife's yeah. parents for a while. Don't you do like a circle around like yeah Carolina? It's a, uh, it's a it's like a 600 mile eight hour trip, and we don't leave the state. Loop-de-loop. It's like driving right. to New York. It's like driving right. to New York in like in like the span of like two days. Um, yeah, it's gonna suck. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Let's talk about. You know what? It could be worse. I could be getting a. Could be on the hot seat. Oh, I guess I could be on the hot seat. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we all could be on the hot seat. Yeah, for all we know. What uh, What was your What was your takeaway from Ravens Bills on Sunday? Because it was. Not really the Lamar Jackson show, but they won ugly. And that I, that's kind of good sometimes, right? I mean, two weeks in a row they did. Um, I, I mean, look, it is the NFL. I know there was a five, six-week stretch where it looked like, uh, you know, SEC teams beating up on, you know, whatever Ivy League teams. But that's not how it's going to go in the pros. And, you know, there is – the accumulated sort of wear and tear of as you, as you get deeper into the season. And frankly, I had some concerns given what a backyard brawl the 49ers Ravens was last week about how both those teams would respond. And they both won tight games in very different ways. Um, I mean, look, Buffalo, <laughs> San Francisco is the best defense maybe in all of football. I know it didn't show up especially, you know, yesterday and especially in the first half, but that's a dominant defense. The Bills defense is top five and top three in a lot of categories. I mean, I mean, look, San Francisco, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, New England are probably the best defenses in football, right? I mean, am I sure. talking, speaking out of turn? San Francisco. What are the Ravens, what are the Ravens, Buffalo, what are the Ravens do to those four teams? Yeah, I'll give you that. What did the Ravens do to those four teams? They uh, beat them. They beat them all, right? Yeah. So, I mean, are you going to win 35-7 every week? Probably not. Again, that's not how it goes up here, even for, you know, Tom Brady in his prime, except for the one year where they almost went undefeated. Like, that's not how it's going for Russell Wilson every week. That's not how it's going for anybody. You know, I was funny. I got a chuckle. Our boy Prisco puts this tweet out there, like, with Lamar's passing yards the last four Oh, boy. Guess it's a change game. Go look at his boy Aaron Rodgers. Lamar's last five weeks is throwing for more yards than Aaron Rodgers. Yo, I, I mean, we, and Aaron Rodgers is playing poo poo. Four of his touchdowns came against the Giants. Aaron Rodgers can't throw for two hundred fifty yards in a game. Aaron yeah. Rodgers barely throws for two hundred yards in a game. Aaron Rodgers is glory boy quarterback of the century, thirty four million dollars a year, twelve years of experience past Lamar. Um, Playing against bad teams, not playing San Francisco and Seattle and this gauntlet. The Ravens are nine and zero. The combined record of the teams that they played in that stretch is sixty five and thirty nine on the nine game winning streak. Okay. So and Prisco doesn't put in the total yardage that Lamar has accumulated, and he doesn't have in there that Lamar in the red zone is the best quarterback in the NFL and the only guy who's in the vicinity is Deshaun Watson. He's thrown 19 touchdowns, no interceptions, only taken two sacks in the red zone. He has the, the highest quarterback rating in the NFL in the red zone. And when you can run the ball the way they do between the 20s, and then he does what he does in the red zone, 
and what he does running the ball and what he does managing the game and the explosive plays. Come on, man. Don't, don't compare Aaron. Don't, I mean, uh, you know, and, and again, we can talk about the gross passing yardage, but games are played in different ways. And th- this, what this kid's done is he's got the most, he's got the most touchdown passes in the NFL. <laughs> the, um, the, the Aaron Rodgers thing is interesting because we were on the halftime show on CBS Sports HQ the, for the one o'clock games, me and Jamie and, and Pete. And I was, you know, um, I guess we were talking about the Vikings Lions game. I was like, well, look, I mean, you know, not really worried about it. You know, you know, this is, they're doing what the Packers should be doing. They're up, you know, 20 to nothing on a bad football team at home. They're not making, they're not letting it become a game. And Kirk Cousins has played really well the last few weeks. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. Kirk Cousins has probably been better than Aaron Rodgers the last few weeks. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, he has been. He, I mean, you can go look at my column at Aaron Rodgers, what he's done the last five weeks. I mean, again, he destroyed the Giants. Everybody destroys the Giants. But he doesn't throw touchdown passes unless he's playing the Giants recently. They're not prolific. And do they have that fifth gear that they can hit in January? Maybe. I mean, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's coming. Maybe if they have to play the kind of game that the Saints and 49ers played yesterday, the Packers could hold up in a game like that against one of those teams. I mean, I kind of doubt it, but maybe, maybe maybe it's there. And there's nothing wrong with being a game manager, but let's just be real. They're only asking Aaron Rodgers to be a game manager right now. They are winning with the defense and the run game, which is no offense. I just kind of laugh when people take shots. You know what I mean? When the guy, you know, who said Green Bay could go undefeated this year and Aaron Rodgers is his preseason MVP pick every single year, Aaron Rodgers ain't even in a discussion. He wouldn't be in the top. I don't know. I don't think he'd be in my top 10. People throw, people throw him in the top five or 10 as like a filler because the, because the Packers are 10 and three. They're, or 10 and two or whatever they are. They're, he, he has no business being in there. I mean, I would put, I would put Zadari Smith or one of the running backs there before him. He's if you take out and look, I know that this is kind of a questionable game to play because you know you can't take take out the take out his two best games. But like if you take out that Raiders game where he lit up a terrible Raiders defense for five touchdowns and four hundred twenty nine passing yards, and And you take out against the Giants, and take out the Giants game, um, he is averaging two hundred thirty five passing yards per game, and you know he has twenty three minus nine basic math fourteen passing touchdowns. In eleven games, that's not great. No, that's who they. I mean, that's that. That, but that is what most weeks what they've been. Two hundred and twenty-five yards. I mean, high completion percentage, of course. I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows where to chuck it. He knows where to put it. But like, you know, eighteen for twenty-four, two hundred and twenty-five yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. That's him. Yeah, Which I'm... again, they're winning this way, and that's all great. But if somebody does stick to the run game and gets a lead on them and they have to come back. Can they do it? I don't know. And I, I, I don't know. All I know is he's making the same money as Russell Wilson. And there ain't one of these things is not like the other this year. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, would you right now, if you had to, if you, I don't want to say if you had to win a game, but let's say you need to pick a quarterback for the rest of the season in the playoffs. Are you taking Ryan Tannehill or Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I'll still take Aaron Rodgers because he's Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I mean, like at a certain at a certain point, I mean, I, I'm I'm with you. I understand because you want like you want you want to say, listen, 
if this guy turns it on and goes nuclear. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' body of work is just so. But but look, I've, I, I, I'm the one who two weeks ago told you, hey, uh, they already know in Tennessee that, like, uh, they're already talking about extending this guy. Like, he's blowing him away in practice. He's blowing him away in games. Like, they're they're sold in Tennessee. And now they're, they're going to have to probably use the franchise tag because if you're him and you're doing this, why why would you sign anything until they franchise you? Well, I mean, like I mean again, unless they want to pay you thirty five million dollars a year, but the franchise tag is twenty seven, and he's the best looking free agent or or trade commodity quarterback on the market. Why you know what I mean? Why do you have to do business with Tennessee in January or February? I, I mean, I, I would almost think it's representative negligence to not make them tag you. You know what I mean? Otherwise, who knows what could be out there on the other side. Dude, you some of the throws this kid's making every. I say, kid, he's thirty years old. Now. He's do, what he's doing every. I mean, I get it. It's only been half a season, but you see the tweet he is, he made? dude, fifty yards downfield, wrecked the guy. I mean, but you see the throw he made from with straddling his own goal line, not yeah. even being able to fire his legs into the ball, just flick of the arm kind of thing, fifty you yards. Know, you know what it looked like? It looked like a vintage Aaron Rodgers throw. Dude, I mean. He's phenomenal. I mean, what he's been doing it every week, and yeah, he'll still make a mistake or two. I mean, the interception, albeit there was like three defensive linemen surrounding him all with their hands up, and the ball bounced the right way, and that stuff happens. But this guy is like, he's like swagged out. He's just letting it all hang out. And I mean, the comparison, nothing's changed with that offense except the quarterback. You know what I mean? It's not like they got four guys back from injury and made a trade at the deadline. It's the same dude, same yeah. offensive line, same running back, same receivers. Delaney Walker never, you know what I mean? Got night, didn't never got to play with Delaney Walker, and it is night. I mean, it is polar opposite of what that's looked like for five years under Mariota. I mean, it ain't even close. Is it? Is it sort uh, of possible? Is it sort of possible that? I mean, like this seems, it's a very odd, not an odd explanation, but is it possible that? Ryan Tannehill being in the final year of his deal, knowing that this is like he's he's out of Miami, he's out of the pressure of being the first round pick, the future, the replacement for Dan Marino, the, you know, the long weighted replacement for Dan Marino. Right. Um, like Marcus Mariota has all of that pressure, and he's never yes. seemed like he could cut it loose. Is it is it possible and perhaps ironic that when like Ryan Tannehill was finally is freed from the pressures that Mariota had to deal with and that he had to deal with in Miami? And that's sort of why he's that way, or is it is it a combination? Yeah, no, I think of... I think it's I think it's reasonable. I mean, I I did some reporting on it when they had their bye week about three weeks ago, and talked to some people who know him. Yeah, you um, told you said on here that he, he's in Miami, relaxed. and yeah. yeah, and they were all just like, he don't care anymore. Like he's banked, he's his bank is straight, his pockets are straight. He's not sweating having to live up to being the ninth overall pick. He's out of the Donna Ponte, Joe Philbin, Mike. Tannenbaum vortex of death. He got a new lease on life. He got to sit back and watch what Mariota did well and didn't do well. He got to immerse himself in the offense from the point of the trade through the offseason, through the preseason, then watch Mariota for, you know what I mean, and come in when the bar is really low, right, when they finally bench their first-round pick. And he's like, why am I going to look over my shoulder? Why am I going to worry about how somebody wants to program me to be or what anybody thinks of me? I'm going to go out, trust my athleticism, trust my study, trust my receivers, and I'm going to let it all hang loose. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's a fluke. Now, is he going to play to this level for years? And years? No, I mean, dude, the, the guy's got like a QB rating of like 138 or whatever. Like, no, he's not going to do that every week. But he came in with no margin of error on a team that was 
looked like it was going to fall apart in, in tatters. And now he's got them with a chance to control their own destiny to win the division. And I do think they can sweep the Texans. I think them coming in with the physical brand of football they play and with – I just feel like the, the sort of vibe that Vrabel pumps into them is, the, is so 180-degree different from the vibe or lack thereof that O'Brien pumps into his team that I think this is the last outfit that, that Houston wants to see two out of the last three weeks. I don't think they're going to want much of it. <laughs> um, so he's averaging 249 passing yards per game. But he's averaging 9.8 yards per attempt. To put that into context, last year, Patrick Mahomes averaged 8.8 yards per attempt. I mean. Yeah, no, dude, it is, it is phenomenal. The plays over 20 yards for an offense that couldn't get any for five years. Um, unlocking outside receivers. Um, I mean, what what AJ Brown is doing now, he's completely beasting out. Dude, and what he's done for the run game. I mean, I haven't updated the numbers, but as of two weeks ago, he was throwing for 50 more yards per game than what they averaged under Mariota, and they were running for 45 more a game. And again, nothing changed except for the quarterback. They didn't put in a new run scheme. Three offensive linemen back from injury. They didn't go, you know, it's the same. It's the same thing, but... Part of the reason life's been so much easier for Derrick Henry is because you now have to worry about this guy, any down distance, might just go seven-step drop and try to throw it over your head. He, he, and that, yeah. changes, that changes things significantly, you know, when it comes to how you defend the Tennessee. T- I mean, they're in court. I mean, it's kind of like what Lamar did last year. The entire ethos of the franchise changed. And – it's it's a scary proposition for other teams who kind of always thought of them one way and you can prepare for them one way. And now it's it's totally different. The um Derrick Henry's per sixteen game averages. He's played seven games with, with Ryan Tannehill. His per sixteen game averages in those games, he's on he would be on pace if he played, you know, everybody gets what I'm saying. Three hundred thirteen carries. Them with Tannehill, yeah. Yeah. If you if you just played sixteen games with Tannehill based on his averages, three hundred thirteen carries. 1,890 yards, 21 rushing touchdowns, 238 passing, receiving yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, God dang. Henry's been a monster since Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, I do think, too, like, there's a – and by the way, I told you about the, the Derrick Henry team who has to defend Derrick Henry the next week against the spread. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a push because the Colts were up and the, the Bucks came back and, and pushed it at three. But now those teams straight up are one and seven. Since Derrick Henry was drafted, if you have to, if Derrick Henry goes for a hundred yards on you, the next week you're a one and seven straight up. So Oakland, final home game against Jacksonville. Everyone is going to pick Oakland. I would not be surprised if the Jaguars stole them because that defense will be devastating. They have to play for net anyway. Like, yeah, this offense is just good, and they do have a. I do worry a little bit that everyone is going to be on Tennessee after Houston, you know, laid an egg against um, Denver. But I mean, it's hard not to like. What the Titans are walking into, you know, or what the what, what the, the, the Texans are walking into a hornet's nest in Nashville. I mean, it's gonna be like that. I place think is the Texans are not. The Texans are not. A, I mean, to me, the Texans are they're they're so up and down. But I don't like. I don't. I don't think this is a good spot for them. They're supposed to have blocked this division up. Everybody else in the division has made a quarterback change. Hmm. I mean, just think about it. Andrew Luck retires. Yeah. yeah. Right? 
Gar- we got the Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles vortex of death. And then every, Marcus every, Mariota, right? The all, a top two pick gets yeah. benched in, yeah. at the end of the first month of the season. And the team was whatever, one and four. And here is Bill O'Brien's boys looking over their shoulder in week 15 mm. at this, this steam train coming down the tracks who will, who will maul you at the point of attack on both sides of the ball, who can cut it loose and play from behind if they have to. I mean, it hasn't been all smooth sailing for, for Tennessee. It looked like the Colts were going to run away from them a week before that. Like, they're showing great in-game resilience. I get it that Tennessee – I mean, that Houston from week to week can yo-yo and be really good. But, like, Houston, it's, it's either they're, – they're, to me, they're kind of front runners. They're either, they're either coming out storming and running away from people or they're getting the snot kicked out of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how Tannehill's not going to look at what Drew Locke did to that defense and say – my God, give me some of that. You know? I like the I like and, the over, I, I like the over uh, in that game. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. And if Tennessee wants to play ball control, they can. If Tennessee has to open it up, they they will. I think they're unpredictable. Um, and these kind of situations have not tended to bring out the best in Bill O'Brien coach teams. We'll we'll see. Okay, uh, let's talk about some. Uh... Some buzz from around the league. So Ron Rivera fired after we talked, but we knew we knew it was coming at some point. We just didn't yeah. think it was going to happen during the season. Um, I heard some. There is some chatter out there about uh, Carolina and David Tepper trying to lure Pittsburgh executives. Um, but it's also I heard, and I don't know. I don't know what you've heard, but that he wants to hire the coach before he hires the execs. It seems like David Tepper is going to be very hands-on here. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, maybe that's yeah, good. Maybe no that's bad. About that. What are you hearing with Carolina? Um, I mean, look, there's there's people he has an affinity for from Pittsburgh, without a doubt. I mean, Kevin Colbert, the GM, Omar Khan, um, the next guy up in in their football operations are both people who Tepper thinks the world of. Um, could he get one of them? He could. He could. Um, if he structures things the right way, uh, I can. I know this. He's infatuated with the New England model as well and the Patriot way. And now you got Nick Casario, who's a free agent. Um, you know, would that intrigue him? He's he's made it clear. If you read, and he seems to be a pretty transparent guy. I mean, immensely transparent. I don't think he's sending mixed messages through the media. He he made it pretty clear that he's intrigued by college coaches, but not sure that's the way to go, and that he really likes quarterback-driven model for head coaches in this day and age in the NFL. Guys are experienced NFL quarterback guys, um, you know, who if you have to play the first team to 45 wins can do it. So does that lead him to a Josh McDaniels? Does that lead him to a Brian Dable? Um, does it lead him to somebody who has those New England roots, who is forward-thinking, who would understand um, the importance of, of analytics and who have a quarterback background? Um, you know, we'll see. And, and if you're hiring a guy like that, then it's not a stretch to think that a Nick Casario could work with him, right? Because, gee, he would have already done that. Um, but it, it very well could be somebody like an Omar Khan. I'm not sure that – I know Kevin Colbert's from – the Carolina area, and at some point we'll retire there. And I know his contract's up at the end of the year. 
I think Kevin stays in Pittsburgh as, to, to see out the Ben Roethlisberger era. Um, but does Tepper go and hire Omar Khan and make him, um, you know, the e- EVP of football operations or chief football officer, whatever you want to call him? And you've got Marty Herney and some scouts who are, you know, holdovers as a part of that. Um, and then you're also restructuring and, and, and broadening an analytics department and also hiring, um, you know, new pro personnel people and maybe new college scouting directors and things like that. It, it could certainly go down that way as well. Colbert, by the way, I think, I think he's from the Pittsburgh area, but he has a house in Hilton Head. Yeah, no, right? to me, yeah, he spends off seasons in, I mean, he, he's got Carolina. Well, like, I mean, he like, will uh, eventually retire in Carolina. Yeah, worth noting that, like, people are like, well, he's got a house in Hilton Head, South Carolina. It's like, well, you can almost get to Pittsburgh. If you're rich, you can really get to, like, Pittsburgh faster than you can Charlotte. Because, like, Charlotte, you probably, <laughs> like, you're driving to Hilton Head, maybe. I mean, like, it, I'm just noting that, like, it's not, if you're a millionaire, you know, you can, you can, you know what I mean? Like you can get to where you yeah. want to get without worrying about yeah. the timing of it. Um, he's also, I didn't realize this until literally seconds ago. He's the only general manager in the history of the Steelers. Isn't that right? I mean, that's he's ever had that particular title. I did not know that. Yeah. It's, um, he was the director of football ops in 2000. The Wikipedia says in 2010, Colbert was named the Steelers first ever. First that was the ever first time they ever gave the GM title. I mean, that has to mean something. Like he's the only guy who's ever been the GM yeah. for the most like blue blood NFL franchise. I, I would think and like, he's not going to, I mean, Mike Tomlin's putting the guaranteed another winning season, whether they make the playoffs or not. Yeah. Uh, they made the Minka trade. It looks like a smart thing. Colbert's going to get credit for that. He's like you said, he's got big Ben there. So I, it, it would be surprising if he bounced right now for a re- reboot of sorts in Carolina. Uh, the Redskins. What, what about Ron Rivera? Because I think he's been. I want to kind of sort of loop Ron Rivera in and transition to the Redskins because I think that that he's been. I know somebody was like, "Well, I mean, why wouldn't the Redskins just go get Ron Rivera?" It's like, why would Ron Rivera? Why would Ron Rivera go to the Redskins? Yeah, that's, exactly. Okay, just making sure that that's not happening unless. No, I mean, I think look, the Giants. And people talk about the Gettleman connection. I would think Giants ownership would be intrigued with Ron Rivera, even if they blew out their football operations. Um, Is Dave Gettleman you know, Atlanta, safe? Atlanta. What's that? Is Dave Gettleman safe? I I don't know. I mean, I don't know that anybody should be feeling safe affiliated with that team right now. Sure, sure. Um, uh, you know, Atlanta, I, I mean, does, does Arthur Blank finally hire an experienced head coach? And this is one who's won in that division. Um, Dallas, you know, I, I think Dallas goes after Lincoln Riley and Matt Rule like crazy. But if that doesn't work out, does Ron Rivera make sense there? Um, and then, you know, the two dream jobs for Rivera would be returning to Southern California, which would be the Chargers if that were to open up. Sure. And I'm not saying it will at this point. My hunch is I guess it doesn't. Mm. Or the Bears where he obviously played. But, you know, I don't think that one's going to open up this year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, yeah, there'll be numerous teams who want to talk to Ron Rivera, and I, I think the Giants would be a pretty good fit. What about the uh, Redskins? You noted in your story, as your insider notes, and people should read that on CBSSports.com, that Bruce Allen's role in the organization remains of vital importance to coaching candidates with the team's personnel and record falling under his leadership. Sources said Dan Snyder is beginning to understand the gravity of his situation and that major changes could be coming to the Skins front office this week. I'm not laughing at your reporting. I'm laughing at Dan Snyder's like looking around. He's like, maybe this isn't working. 
<laughs> like, yeah. like it's like it's like it's the this is fine dog finally in the in the burning house finally being like oh it is on fire yeah it's it's pretty bad um I, I look there's people I talk to in the league who I trust who are convinced that Bruce Allen is is going to be let go and and possibly quite soon. Personally, I'm not reporting. Like, I am not reporting that Bruce Allen is going to be fired soon because as much as I've heard people say that to me, I just don't – I don't believe it. And until Dan Snyder says those words to Bruce Allen, I mean, Dan Snyder's a guy who could change his mind five times in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening there. I, I've heard more and more about Dan being on the cusp of making a change to try to facilitate uh, a better coaching search and to – signal a willingness to restructure the organization. However said, you know, big fish coach wants. I, I like, like it was with Vinny Serrato. I won't believe it until, you know what I mean? I see the press release. There won't be a press conference because Dan doesn't do press conferences, but uh, I, I'll believe it when I see the, the press, the press release. Um, but th- this, you know, it is a critical situation in Washington. And if if they want to, you know, flirt with David Shaw like they want to, if they want to, you know, entertain a possible courtship of Mike Tomlin, however far-fetched that may seem, you've got to convey a willingness to turn the organization mind, body, and soul over to a guy like that. Yeah, like you can't call David Shaw and be like, would you like to come meet with Bruce Allen to talk about this job? Right. David Shaw I mean, even though those two work together, I mean, those two have Raiders connections, so like I, I get it, and and Bruce would be an, you know, a guy who would be advocating for David Shaw, but the bottom line is, like, this isn't about you hiring David Shaw; it's about David Shaw letting you hire him. You know what I mean? Like that's what it is. It's about you recruiting him. Yeah, I mean, you're not. Yeah, that's just not gonna. Oddly enough, if you go to David Shaw's Wikipedia page, this is weird, and you go to 2001 where it says Oakland Raiders, and you scroll over where he was the QB coach, a picture of Robert Griffin III in a Redskins jersey pops up. Hmm. That's the Wikipedia page. It's uh, Matt Cavanaugh on RG3. If you look at position coach for Wikipedia. Not like I am do all my research on Wikipedia, but I always like their little coaching career yeah, yeah. box because it's nice and easy to read. Um, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, Shaw's sort of tailed off a little bit at Stanford, but, I mean – they're yeah. not gonna run. They're not gonna run him out of there. I mean, like you know, he's no. I don't think it's it nothing like that at all. But it's just about every look. There, I mean, there's a shelf life to pretty much everything, and there are ebbs and flows and highs and lows, and timing um, matters. And if you're David Shaw and you just went four and eight or whatever, and there's all kinds of pictures of your empty stadium down the stretch all over the internet, and you're looking out there and there could be nine, 10 co- you know, I mean, upwards of a third of the league might be open. And a lot of these teams don't feel like they can take a chance on coordinator du jour. And there aren't a lot of it coordinators out there to begin with. And you're talking about markets like Dallas and the giants and Atlanta and maybe a team in LA. Um, that's a unique, that's, that's a unique set of circumstances. Hmm. Um, you know, it just is. And there's only, I mean, okay, somebody's going to hire Ron Rivera, you know, maybe, maybe Marvin Lewis gets another bite at the apple. Um, you know, maybe rule or Riley, one of them jump, but 
there's there's not a lot of you know. I mean, look, a lot of these guys who are getting fired, like nobody's going to run around chasing Jason Garrett. Not even the New York Giants, despite whatever you may hear. Like, not a lot of people are going to be running around. You know what I mean? Chasing Dan Quinn with contract offers. Like these guys getting fired. Doug Marone, that's over. You know what I mean? Like it's you know Matt Patricia. It's going to be a while. So who is he competing with? Uh, Kevin Stefanski and Ron Rivera. Right, Matt Eberflus. I mean, like I'm just saying, like eh, it might not be a bad time for David Shaw to open his ears up in a way he never has before. It doesn't mean he has to do anything, but could he? Are there people who feel like he could be more inclined to listen now than any time in the last five years? There are. There are people it, who believe that could be the case. Isn't it funny how it's like he's more like potentially more inclined to listen when he's losing than when he? You know what I mean? Like it's like because. You don't want you can go from being the hot head coaching name to out of that buzz real fast. Yeah, college coach. Yeah, doesn't take much. Um, all right, anything else from uh, the week that caught your eye? Uh, I feel like Matt Rule is definitely jumping from Baylor to the NFL. I mean, he just signed an eight-year extension. Although in college, you often wonder if it's worth if it's worth what they're printed on. You know. Yeah. Um. The guys, it, it, like, I just think it'd be the most beautiful disaster in the world. I almost kind of hope it happens as much as he, he personally at times makes me want to puke on my shoes. It's Urban Meyer. Like, he's so desperate yeah. for a job right now, and he, yeah. he thought the USC thing was going to be his. And then to have them stay put, like, like the prospect of Urban Meyer, like, groveling and begging for an interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars would kind of just – I might chuckle at that. That would be hilarious. It would – and now he would, that would actually be interesting because like he's, he like, you know, he did the whole, he left Florida with health, you know, health reasons. And I'm not doing air quotes. Shally Meyer, thank you very much. Don't, you don't need to come at me. Um, again, the, uh, he left Florida, health reasons, goes to Ohio State, made all the Florida people mad because then he went back and coached another blue blood school and won a title with him. So he did like a goodwill tour with Florida now that he's left Ohio State. If he went and coached the Jaguars, like that's the basically the same fan base, the Jaguars and the Gators. So I mean, like he would have a built-in fan base. He would get Jaguars fans pumped up. It would be hilarious if if he was the guy there. I like the idea of him coaching the Cowboys even more. I just can't see Jerry. I don't see. I I, I don't see that one. I don't. I mean, isn't, isn't, I, I hear way more about Matt Roller, Lincoln Riley with that job than I do. Well, yeah, sure. But like, is Lincoln Riley really going to leave Oklahoma to? I mean, he just he can't stop getting in the college football playoff. Like it's just it's a free. I mean, I think he's going to get blowtorched by LSU in this in the semifinal. Me LSU is like a fourteen point favorite. Like they're going to get cold, stone cold smoke because their defense is not legit. Whatever. And Joe Burrow is a, a monster. But I mean, dude, at the end of the day, he's in the Big Twelve, man. You're talking about going from the Big Twelve to coaching the Dallas bleeping Cowboys. I yeah. Nah, hey, look. I, I just you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I mean, Oklahoma's a nice job and everything, but come on, man. Yeah, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Most it's, weeks it's, you're playing games that nobody cares about unless you're an Oklahoma fan, right? Not, you're not wrong, man. Um, I mean, how many conference games does he play that America stops and takes notice? Like, I, uh, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I don't, I'm, I'm on a train, you know, every Saturday. I'm not sitting there glued to college football, you know, like some people. But just tell me how many big games he's played this year. Because I got every week in Dallas is a big game. Yeah. How many big games did the Oklahoma play this year? 
Uh, I would say that you could games count. that captured America's imagination, or you know what I mean, would have people outside of Sooner Nation paying attention. I would say the Red River rivalry counts, and when they played Baylor in right. Baylor, but only because Baylor was I'll give you that one. Only because Baylor was ranked ten and they were losing, um, and then the Kansas State game that they actually lost, people were watching, and then that's really. Fun. Yeah, we. I really? was tuned in. Yeah, I mean, just because they were Oklahoma, losing. Oklahoma, Kansas like, State. Because Kansas State was up at home, like a, you know, you flip over. You're not like tuned into it. You're thinking it's a blowout. But how many? But who was talking about that game going into that game? Nobody. Exactly. Yeah. There's probably who was hyping games. that game up. Who was like, got to see that one this weekend? There's two games all year if you don't count the Big Twelve Championship. Yeah. Whereas Dallas Cowboys have sixteen. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Come I'm on, with man. you. If he gets offered the Cowboys job, he's got to take it. I mean, it's going to be uh, – I mean, look, you'll have some reservations maybe about how Jerry and Steven pick players, yada, 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 but – They're pretty good at it. What, how old is this cat? 35 years old? Oh, he's, yeah, he's maybe like 29. He's younger than Debo. Is he? No, I'm just kidding. He's he's, uh, he is uh, – he just turned 36 in September. They offer you – I mean, and you've got some pieces there. I mean – I mean – if, I, I like, just, if that thing gets to Urban Meyer, then I think a lot of people have said no. If you're if you're Lincoln Riley, and you're and you truly believe that your offense can work at any level of football, and in theory it should, the Cowboys job is pretty perfect because you have the you have the offensive line, you have the superstar running back, you have the, the yeah. quarterback. I mean, if, like, they, if they find a way to get back done before using the franchise tag, then you'll have Cooper yep. and Gallup. Yep. I mean, you have I mean all the could they use an upgraded things. tight end? Sure. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll find it. Like, you might be able to get CD yeah. Lamb at, in the first round. I mean, like, you know, whatever you want to do. That guy's a beast. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, I, Jerry shows up five years, $50 million, and we, you know what I mean? We won't meddle in the offensive personnel. But I mean, okay, and bring bring whatever staff you want. Yeah. I like it. All right, let's get out of here. You got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. I got to go shop for presents. Apparently. There you go. Yeah, man, get on that. Hey, you're a Peloton owner. What do you think about this, these Peloton ads? You like the outrage? <laughs> the poor girl. She's like, hey, everything's fine. I, I, I mean, I thought it was a weird commercial. The first time I saw it, I was just like, yeah, I didn't think she was like. Trapped. I really don't know whose point of view it's coming from. Like, it just <laughs> seemed. She seemed distressed. You know what I mean? Like, why not just establish that, like, she asked for it? Like, we have a Peloton because my wife asked for it. She's like, hey, would you, you know, what do you think about getting a Peloton for Christmas? Yeah, and then you were in Minnesota and you ran into, like, the, the deal. Yeah, and I bought it at the Mall of America. I'm like, all right, screw it. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't like I sprung it on her and then, like, and, dude, who would go back and, like, can you imagine sitting down on a couch watching clips of your wife work out? <laughs> Like, just that part of it alone. Take out the the whole, like, the patriarchy, and which I'm down with. Like, I think I think the whole perspective is warped. Like, I would never tweet about it because I, th- I don't care about it that much. But, right. like, I get where, like, the what the bleep is that is coming from. But just remove all that. Just think about the pure act of one year later, someone feeling, like, compelled to record it yeah. and then sitting down and watching it. You know what also, I mean? Also, like, was she – because she didn't look – 
when she first got the Peloton, I guess that like they had to make her look a little nervous about it, but like she it wasn't looked like, like it was sprung on her. Yeah, but she wasn't like some distressed, broken human being, right? <laughs> she looked like she got like a nice job. Like she's got a she's dressed nicely. She's got like a nice job. I mean, I don't know. Like it just is it's very bizarre. Like she's in a nice house. She's got kids, a husband. But the whole like, point of view like wasn't really established. But the whole idea of sitting like I just can't like. I'd rather rearrange my sock drawer. I mean, not that look. I think my wife looks very attractive in some of the workout clothes or whatever. Like, I'm not against it. But can you imagine someone wanting to do that and then the other – and then, like, the dude being like, yeah, let's let, – yeah, cool. Like, yeah. I'm, it's so neat that you took all these bizarre selfies that you made and turned them into a mini movie that we're now going to watch on the couch. Yeah. It was a weird you know thing. what I mean? Yeah, I'm with like, you. I, would... I want to watch my wife wake up and, like, take a video of herself waking up, like, at 6 a.m.? Also, to, if to I'm document if, that she worked out, first of all, the bike registers everything. You know what I mean? Like, so assuming he knew her password and if he set the bike up for her, he may have like she didn't need to go through all the lengths anyway. If he's really that creepy, he could just walk in at her and see how often she's working out. You know what I mean? Like, depending on how far down the rabbit hole we want to go. I if, thought it was a crazy. I thought it was a bad crazy commercial, honestly. I would agree. And if I bought, um, I mean, I would say this to my wife if she was listening. like, again, I don't think it was so bad that it should have like, you know, crushed their stock. But I think it also shows how arbitrary the stock market is and how sort of ridiculous that whole note. I mean, we can look, <laughs> you probably brought this up with the wrong cat, but like, if you turn, I think it signals problems question. way bigger than a crappy ad. You know what I mean? The fact that that could happen to a business, the fact that the nature of of the stock market is that arbitrary and that yeah. sort of fragile. But like the ad, the ad was working. Like they'd run it for like weeks, and then all of a sudden there was this like random spring up of backlash, and everybody's like, "You're right, this is insane." And then it immediately resulted in like the stock, the stock, like Peloton stock crashing. And now, if you like go buy a Peloton for Christmas for somebody, you're a misogynistic piece of like dog crap. Well, I wonder if you can get them cheaper. A deal. No, yeah, you should have, be, they, yeah. have they lowered the price? I mean, look, the first time I saw it was. I think it might have been in studio and it was on a game we didn't have the volume on and I just was like it just kind of struck me as odd. And then I saw it like at home with the volume and I may have even gone back and like rewound it cuz I'm like was that was that woman, you know, like was that husband and wife sitting on the couch watching a year's worth of her Holocaust video? Well, it wasn't even that. It was just like, who would do that? Like, who, what ad exec would ever think that, like, that's rational, normal behavior or, or exceptional behavior that should be pointed out in a positive light? Like, I'm like, that's some creepy shit. Like, that's weird. Like, why? Like that she would make it and that they would watch it, regardless of who asked for the bike, which is never really established, or how the bike came in their life, or whether he just sprung it on her, which was my immediate reaction, especially seeing it without being able to, you know, hear whatever limited dialogue there was. I I was, I don't know, man. And her facial expressions were just, she did seem, she seemed distressed. Yes, she looks petrified. She's like, I'm a little scared. It's like, you're on a stationary bike. Just use your feet and, and move. Now, like, I will say, like, the first time it is kind of weird, like, if you got to make sure you got it set up right and putting on the shoes is a little bit of a deal. Um, I mean, come on. But no, this was like, SOS. 
I just thought the whole vibe was off. I couldn't figure out whose perspective was really coming from. And I just couldn't get my head around. Like, of all, like everybody's got limited time. Like, who, who, you know what I mean? Sits down at Christmas a year later to watch all these bizarre videos she felt compelled to make of herself, either on the bike or explaining life around the bike or, you know what I mean? Yeah. What universe does that happen? Like, where, who thought that was a good idea? Well, Peloton executives, clearly. All right. We got, and I didn't realize it took, like, weeks for it to take off. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, that's a weird ad. I'd like to see what, what what's actually being said in it. And then when I saw it and it was being said, I, I literally kind of, re, like, rerounded on the DVD. Not, I mean, on the, you know, like the DVD yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can just rewind it in real time. Yeah. And I'm like, Did, were they really watching videos of her workout? On the couch, like in yeah, the middle of the day around Christmas? I think I saw it like 20 times as like a throwaway, and I was like, this is stupid. Like, I, I would be, I don't want to watch, like, like, you wake up on Christmas morning a year later, and you're like, you're watching, like, like, like I don't want that. First of all, I don't want that dude, at Christmas. at Christmas, people go, it's like Chevy Chase, right, in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Like, I could see going back and watching old, like, you know, Super 8 videos of, you know, me and my brother opening up presents when we were kids or or our kids, you know what I mean? Like when Chloe was three or something. But, like, you know what I mean? Because that's the spirit of you would think it's a holiday ad, and that's sort of the vibe they're going for. But to take it there, I was just like, <coughs> that's messed up. You you know who owes, and Debo's going to stab me in the face. <laughs> you know who owes, uh, who owes Peloton a thank you note or like a Christmas card? is Apple because they're not c- catching any flack for de- the dead Nana commercial. It's like, like, you know, like grandfather, like, like you, you see that one where they're, uh, it's like Nana's still here, and it's like a cutout picture. It's a sweet thing. Oh, the two little girls make, like, the video. Yeah. Like, it's a little, I mean, like, it, it's a little w- weird, I mean, if we're being honest here. I mean, right? Like, I, I know. I'm like, trying to remember. I haven't paid as much attention to that one. Right, because you because the Peloton ad's constantly running, and like the the Apple ad, they're like they're like he's like oh it's like Nana, and then like then then they're like is Nana is Nana is Nana here? Um, and then there's like a that's picture another one where I feel like I've seen it more without the work, you know what I mean? Without yeah. the volume than with it. It's playing on the heartstrings of the idea of like create. It's like make someone's Christmas special. Give them an iPad with a picture of their dead wife. You know, did I'm they sure put her pictures. in? Did they like? But did they kind of create a scrapbook of stuff that she wasn't in that they put her in? Yeah, and like, the, yeah, it's like a mishmash of like. A, it's, yeah, it's see, a little... when it's kids, I have a hard time. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, the kids in that's, there, that's the so I can't really yeah. second guess it. You know what I mean? I don't know where it's coming from. Like, but but Peloton couple. I mean, it's either him or her, and either way, right. how they got to the point where they're on the couch watching that is that's a road I don't want to go down. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, there's some sort of like, uh, some sort of, somebody's up to something. And it's, it's a weird situation. All right, let's get out of here. I'm glad I asked the question though. JLC, watch him on the NFL today. I watched him on the NFL today on Sunday. Talking with Jim Rome. Love Jim Rome. About, uh, Love Romy. Rome's the best. About insider stuff. You watch it from 12 to 1 Eastern on, uh, every Sunday. And, uh, follow him on Twitter at Jason Lockefora. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Talk to you next week, buddy. You got it, bud. Have a great week. Thank you. 
very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.